Welcome to Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. I'm your host, Morgan Johnson. And I'm producer Nelly Padakshik. I'm contributor Anisia Watson. And I'm contributor Samantha Ortiz. In May 2023, the entertainment industry faced a halt when the Writers Guild of America officially went on strike. Now, five months later, they continue to stand their ground. Today, we are joined with arts and culture editors. Hi, my name is Aditi Perrine Karinahali. Hi, I'm Julia Harmilio. And I'm Juliana Sharon. Great to have you here with us today. So to start, can you give us an overview on the strike currently? Okay, so obviously I'm not a member of SAG-AFTRA or the WGA, but from what I understand, a lot of it has to do with advocating for better pay, rewriting rules when it comes to how actors are compensated based on residuals. And a really big and new aspect of the strike has to do with artificial intelligence and the role that it's going to play in movie making and in the entertainment industry going forward. The strike started on July 13th after failed negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Pictures. So they represent like a lot of people like Warner Bros and Netflix, Paramount, Sony. Um, can you explain to me who WGA is and SAG is? Because I don't think many people know the acronyms or who falls under each category. Yes. So the WGA is the Writers Guild of America and SAG is the Screen Actors Guild. And both of those groups are on strike. And the last time both were on strike, like double the two of them, was in 1960s. Fun fact, that was when Ronald Reagan was the president of SAG-AFTRA. Before he was president? Yes, before he was president, (laughs) yeah. Wow, okay. So what specific issues or demands are being promoted in the strike that would be different from previous like strikes that they had? Residuals used to do with, so basically an actor films an episode of a TV show or they're in a movie and that movie or TV show episode is aired on cable um, over like years and decades sometimes even if the, you know, pieces like that iconic and they get money every single time it's aired. So obviously that changes drastically with streaming and when a show or a movie is on Netflix and Hulu and a lot of actors and a lot of writers believe that their work is being viewed a lot more when it's on streaming versus when it's on cable, but they're not being compensated the same way it would be um, versus if it was on cable. And now with residuals and AI, that's also an interesting issue because the writers and the actors' work is being used to train the AI, but they're not getting compensation for that. So although like this AI that can replace them is using their own work, they're not getting any sort of monetary compensation for that or credit. And it's without their consent. There's like a huge controversy with like the possibility of their likeness or their voice or their physical body being scanned and used so that they get paid for one day's of work, but then their you know likeness or their voice could be used for years or decades after work. And they're not going to be compensated fairly for that, which is a huge and shocking issue that's only come up recently. And speaking on likeness, I think it's important to note that when people talk about taking one's likeness, they like, Obviously, you mentioned how they're like scan your whole body. So imagine like a bad CGI scene and there's bleachers like they're just going to put a bunch of faces like (laughs) they're just going to put them in the background. And you're obviously one, you're probably not going to get credited in the you won't get paid for it and you're not going to get paid. It's a one time payment. And when you were talking about streaming, I think it's also important to note that many streaming numbers are hidden. Like, we don't really know how many shows are on the top 10 most viewed of the day. We don't know how many views they're actually generating. 
And the way they calculate that is very arbitrary because they don't really calculate from people who watched it from start to finish. They like sometimes only count like five minutes in. It's like all these numbers that streaming services are basing their statistics on are very not known and not available to many. I think it's so funny that you mentioned that because this is totally just like an observation that my friend made the other day. And she went, how many times is um, on, you know, how Netflix has that row where it's like top 10 of today. How many times is that just like a show or a movie that Netflix themselves has like produced and created versus how many times is it like some random show? So oftentimes Netflix is like inflating their own products and stuff that they've like created themselves. Yeah, and they'll definitely inflate that metric that they're using depending on the day or depending on what they've recently released that they really want to be like the number one thing that people see. How has the entertainment industry evolved since the last strike? I feel like the entertainment industry has evolved since the last one a lot, especially with the introduction of AI. Like that's a major thing. And then the streaming services like we've talked about, like before the issue was like with video cassettes and pay cable that actors wanted residuals for their work because it was like that. And similarly now with like the re-release on streaming services, that's an issue with residuals is that the compensation is lower for re-release of old shows that premiered a long time ago and now are being like added onto our different services like Netflix and Hulu and stuff. Um, so in that way, it's similar, except like in the 1960s and stuff, everyone was getting credit for their work and their face was theirs and their voice was theirs. But now like those things aren't a given, even though they should be because it's like actors' creative identities. And so that's sort of something that AI threatens is just like people's creative identities and just their own individuality. I think also that... Um shows aren't being shown as frequently on cable tv like reruns of like gilmore girls you're not really seeing that because it's all been pushed to streaming so with it being pushed to streaming actors no longer get that cons or that steady flow of residuals they would be expected when cable was typically rerunning shows frequently and they were getting paid for that so when it comes to streaming that people are now binging these shows every day all hours of the day they're not seeing any compensation for viewing it when if it was on cable they would have been seeing yeah and it's interesting to think about how our way of consumption has changed so much with television like when we used to like tune in for something i always think of like zoe 101 and i'm like you know i would be there for that show but like now it's like you binge it or maybe you stop or maybe you like watch an episode like on tiktok like cut and broken into bits like I just feel like the way that we watch is so different now that like I wonder if the industry has really caught up its algorithms to be reflective of how we're viewing things because like we were saying earlier with like how they gather their analytics on everything it's it's not the same as what it was just a couple years ago. Moving on to the writers and actors perspective is there a difference between the writers and the actors demands? I know that the WGA is demanding an increased like fixed residual and something called like the establishment of a viewership based residual, like Morgan was saying. So like the more viewers that a show brings, the higher the residual should be like on streaming services. And obviously AMPTP rejected like that proposal. And I know that SAG's residuals payments has more to do with the economic value of like an actor's product. I just know that like they're phrasing their demands for residuals differently. 
Yeah, and just from like a cultural standpoint, like people know the faces of SAG. They don't know the faces of like WGA. We don't know the writers necessarily. I mean, a little bit, but like when we see people like Meryl Streep and Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, all these people striking, that like really is a big deal because they're all the people who we love to see in movies. I also do know that I think it's only like 13% of SAG members qualify for the union's health insurance program because they have to meet a minimum of $26,000 income a year and barely any of them meet that requirement. And so I do believe that there is more of like a health insurance perspective on SAG side that I haven't really heard coming from the WGA, but I could be wrong. And their strike is like kind of a big deal because it means like they can't perform, they can't publish and also like no red carpets, no interviews, no premieres. So even like when Oppenheimer came out, like the cast wasn't at the premiere because they had left for the strike and they did that like very intentionally to sort of like emphasize that like these big movies, all of these are all the actors that are being affected by this. And unless they unless the production studio does have an interim agreement with SAG, the actors are not allowed to promote their films. I also think it's important to note with the writers is that in the streaming era, they're usually getting like a set pay. Like you wrote on the show, you're going to get compensated for that. And so many shows are in limbo, depending on if they get picked up by streaming or they get picked up by cable. So a lot of these writers are just getting one payment for their work and then they're not seeing anything. And then there's a possibility that even if their show does get picked up, there's still no basis for them to get continuously paid for the work they did for the show that may have been Stranger Things and may have become the number one show in the world, but they're still not getting compensated for that work. Yeah, and it's sort of a challenging problem to resolve because it's like we all love streaming services and we also all love sharing like a Netflix. Like it's not like they have all this money coming in from it necessarily. Like I know Netflix is going bankrupt at some point. So like how can they do these compensations? I don't really know how realistic it is with the way streaming services generate money. Do you guys have an idea as to why corporations aren't meeting these demands? I mean, it's just like corporate greed at the end of the day, right? It's these like huge establishments like the AMPTP who think that they can survive without the people who literally produce their wealth. You have these writers who write these shows with their creativity and these shows are their lifelines. It's super frustrating because you see all of these companies like Warner Brothers and, you know, Netflix, and they talk about generating like record breaking profits. And if like if you are generating record breaking profits, you should be paying the people who made it possible for you to make those profits in the first place. And it's super frustrating to hear that they think that they can treat these creatives like this. And these actors, like, they do depend on these companies because most of them can't just, like, do an independent film and pay for it without all these organizations. So they're sort of left with either doing what they're doing, being on strike, or not being able to do what they love and be creative and make movies and act. But then on the other hand, like, what are they going to do? Not work, not have money? What are the ripple effects of the strike in the entertainment industry as a whole? Yeah, it's delaying a lot of like productions and it is causing a lot of economic loss in terms of the job market in California. A lot of these people contributed to their local economy and, you know, they made a salary and all of a sudden now they're not able to do so. This is like a small piece of good news, but California Senate has just approved unemployment pay for SAG-AFTRA and WGA workers that are on strike. And what this possibly means is that maybe they won't 
procure as much financial losses as we estimated months ago because they will now have like steady income and steady cash flow coming in, which is a really, really good thing. And another way that I've kind of chosen to be optimistic about it is that it's sort of a really good opportunity for independent production studios and studios that have aligned with the interim agreements to make really profound and groundbreaking work. It's a chance for actors to produce and join more independent cinema and more independent work versus like flocking to Warner Brothers and Netflix every other day. Why should the general public be concerned about the strike? Well, they're working people. And so it's obviously like a horrible thing for them to lose their jobs and lose their means of survival, lose their means of income. And like basic empathy for them is, I think, a pretty good thing to have. Also, it's a reflection of like the greater, larger workforce and the state of labor unions in America right now. If these super talented writers and actors are not able to ask for the bare minimum, what hope does that leave for the rest of us? You know, we should all have sympathy for working people and sympathy for our labor unions in America because they do really great work and they've given us such awesome privileges that we now procure today. We would not have weekends if it weren't for labor unions. We would not have a nine to five work day if it weren't for labor unions. We have these really amazing things because labor unions have fought for them, because working people have fought for them. So, you know, strikes are always a good thing to be concerned about because it shows the state of the labor market and it shows the state of the working person in America today. This question makes me think of a video I saw. They were interviewing a writer who works in Hollywood and he explained how you can say like, oh, well, I don't watch a lot of TV. It's no big deal on me. But Hollywood is such a huge industry. It doesn't just affect like people who watch TV or people who watch movies. A lot of other industries support Hollywood. And I think that the longer it goes on, the more we'll see how it really will affect those other industries like real estate, for example. You know, if you can't make a living in Hollywood, like you're not going to live in Hollywood. I also think it's important that the general public sees that it's not just the big stars that are being affected. Like it's not just the Chris Pratt's, the Meryl Streep's of the world. The strike's not really for them. It's for the background people, the extras, the up-and-coming actors that are going to come up in this field. And they need these safety nets to fall back on. They need health insurance. They need the opportunity to know that if I'm going to spend seven months out of my year working on this project, I'm going to get steadily paid for the work I did. Yeah. And even though these A-listers, they could financially support like independent things, they couldn't do any of this without all of the people helping them. And they're the minority of the production. All the people helping are the majority that make it really work and allow them to do what they do so that they're all the people who need to be getting compensated and getting fair wages. How long do you guys think the strike will last? I think there was news that came out yesterday that the WGA has like continued negotiations with AMPTP, and that is a really, really good thing because it means that they can come to a conclusion and hopefully the writers can get all of these sort of demands that they're asking for. And I also think that that's like going to be like a barometer of, for the way that the SAG-AFTRA negotiations continue with AMPTP because obviously those are separate negotiations but it will definitely give us an indication of how SAG-AFTRA negotiations will end up going. 
Yeah. And I think also the fact that they're now receiving unemployment sort of pushes progress in the negotiations because they can only receive that for so long. And the government now is more involved too. Yeah. I think the AMPTP lost their really big bargaining chip. I think there was an executive that said, we're going to wait until people start to lose their houses, until people start to like foreclose on their houses and stuff like that. And now that they get unemployment pay, they lost their really big bargaining chip. And I think it's a good thing that they lost that bargaining chip because it means writers and actors will start to get the payment. So if WGA and SAG get what they want, what do you think the industry would look like? A lot less AI, you know, definitely not AI involved in the writer's room. None of that like body scanning stuff where they like scan a background actor and put them in like 100 different projects. Or if they do that, maybe they'll just get paid for each and every single one. Obviously, residuals in terms of streamings will be very, very different. Um, Shows that primarily are viewed on Netflix and Hulu and HBO and not so much on cable will see their actors and writers be like much more fairly compensated. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, That was a really thought-provoking discussion on the Hollywood strike, and I feel so much more informed. This episode was recorded on September 22nd, and as of September 26th, the WGA started negotiating. Here are the updates. After 148 days, the Writers Guild of America reached a deal with the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers, marking the second longest strike in Hollywood history. The agreement showcased major wins for the writers. The details include minimum wage increases, improved residuals, access to streaming statistics, and increased health fund rates. It also allowed writers to use generative AI, but forbids the use of AI that eliminates the work of writers. SAG-AFTRA has also begun their own negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Pictures and Television Producers. The long-term effects on Hollywood future is unclear at this point, but one thing for certain is that the entertainment industry is constantly evolving. The strike reaffirmed the view that the industry needs to be artist-centric rather than corporation-centric. Thank you guys for listening.